establishing, and I think it's pretty clear that communicating can sometimes be complicated, right? Especially in today's day and age. Um, and, 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 and prayer for some people can be complicated. But I'm here to tell you that it really doesn't have to be. There's no, the, the, you know, people always, oh, but how do you pray? And you know, what do you do? And prayer is simply communicating with God. Simply communicating with God. We've explored um, PUSH, right? You remember what PUSH stands for? What was that? Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. I love it. Um, Our sister Cora, raise your hand, Cora. Hi. (laughs) She she puts pen to paper and, and writes poetry. And she came up and she showed me this poetry. Push. Pray until something happens. Look out there, children. Is there a state of chaos? Is there a generation lost in this world of nothingness? Push. School's back in session. Time for sports. Time for study. Are we ready, everyone? Push. When there's any question, when we're alone with Jesus... When we just aren't sure, when those around us don't understand, push and push again. Pray until something happens. Thank you, Cora. That's awesome. Now, when you pray like that, do you think maybe people would think you're crazy? Huh? You think you, think you may be labeled if they see a fervency and a passion that they don't understand or that they can't equate with? There was a woman in the Old Testament. Her name was Hannah. And and I wish, I wish I had the time to tell you about what Israel was going through at that time. It was the times of the judges. And so um, there were judges that were uh, uh, basically ruling and leading over Israel and the people were demanding that they wanted a king They wanted to be like the other nations around them. Every other nation had a king. Why can't we have a king? But God's desire was that God would be their king And yet the people mumbled and they grumbled and they wanted to be like the other nations And I wish I could t- I had the time to tell you about Eli who was one of these judges and how he had wicked sons and how Eli wouldn't correct or discipline his sons and and how this generation had had so fallen far away from God. I wish I had the time to tell you about all of that. But that's another sermon for another day. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 12, this is what the Bible says. Speaking about Hannah, and she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. (laughs) See, Hannah was crying out to God because she was barren. She wanted a baby. And she was crying out to God to give her a son. But it was just happened to be at the same time that God's heart was broken. See, see, Israel also was barren, was not bearing fruit. 
And his heart was broken in regards to the things that were taking place. And it was in this setting that as Hannah was crying out to God, God was able to really touch base with Hannah's heart. It's in this setting that they demanded a king. And God would eventually present Saul to satisfy Israel's desire, but he also gave Hannah the desires of her heart, for she too would bear forth a son. Not just any boy, Samuel. He would be the prophet that would one day be the spokesperson to the people's king. It's the people's king. It wasn't God's king. And God in his sovereignty knew that one day he would also grant his only begotten son. Not just a prophet, but also a king. I wish I had the time to tell you all about that. But that's a sermon again for another day. Check this out. Israel was so degenerated. They were so fallen, so broken. They were so far from God that the leadership mistook what Hannah was doing. As Hannah was praying in her fervency, she was praying within her heart. And she continued praying, the Bible says. But, but she was praying and, and she was so fervent and so passionate that, that even as she moved, that her mouth was moving, but words weren't coming out. And, and Eli, being a religious leader, being one of the judges set over the ruleship, that was foreign to him. He didn't even understand what she was doing. He took her to be a drunken woman. Imagine you being moved in the spirit of God and then having the very religious leaders placed over you be confused, not being able to identify, will people mistake you? Will people label you in your fervency, in your prayers before God? I would have to tell you, yes, they will. I know I have been, but that's all right. That's all right. You call me a Jesus freak, you could call me a Bible thumper, you could call me whatever you want to call me. I know I'm a son of the living God. I know how God has moved in and through my life. I know that when I pray, the gates of heaven open. I know that the petitions that I bring before my God are granted, and he is faithful. So you could call me crazy all day. I'll be crazy for the Lord. I'll be crazy for the Lord. I want to ask you something this morning, church. I want to challenge you, but I really want to ask you. How many of you can identify with Hannah? How many of you can identify with prayer that is so fervent, so on fire, so deep, the emotional state that the tears can flow, that the Holy Spirit can move? I got to tell you, unfortunately, in most houses of worship today in America, most can't relate with this type of connection. And that's what it is. It's a connection. Prayer isn't just a bunch of words that we can eloquently put together that may sound good and pious before God. Prayer is a connection that we have with him. It's a connection with heaven. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a personal relationship. It's a personal relationship that we listen to his response. Remember last week as we concluded, I, 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 can, I, can, I could be talking all I want. I, I, I could be praying and praying and praying, but prayer doesn't become prayer until I stop talking 
And I give an opportunity to God to talk. To be able to stop and settle in and listen to what God has to say. I got a lot to say. But forget about what I have to say. I want to hear what God has to say. If, if, if our prayer isn't like that, then it's not prayer. We're, we're, we're dictating, right? It's dictation. It's, 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 it's one way. Once it becomes two-way, now it's communication. Now it's prayer. John 10, 27, Jesus speaking said, My sheep hear, they listen to my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. It's amazing how if you go out into, into the fields and, and how a shepherd would speak to his sheep, they have like, you know, them, them calls. You know, it's, you ever see in them cowboy movies and, and the cowboy with the pigs, and, the, and they hear the pigs and the pigs are like, I know, I know that voice, I know that voice. And they kind of corral in and they, and they set in. Sheep are the same way. Sheep, sheep turn around and, and they know the voice of their shepherd. It, it, it's, a, it's a sound that is soothing and it's familiar. I'll never forget when my first baby was born. Hannah, who's in the back somewhere, you know, when Hannah was in the belly, you know, I was so excited about, you know, the the baby's coming. I used to put headphones on on her belly and we used to put, play music. And I used to speak to, I used to speak to Hannah before she was even born, while she was still in that belly. When she was born, you know, talk about transition, right? The baby's crying, screaming, the doctor's Pats the booty, make sure that get all the mucus out of the nose and out of the lungs. And so, you know, that's a good, healthy cry, right? You get that, all that stuff out, you know? And, and the moment I spoke to her, she just turned around and, and went to the voice. And, and she knew my voice. And I was amazed by that. I'm like, how, how could that be? I had this immediate connection with her because she knew my voice. I spoke to her, and she found comfort in that. When he speaks to us, because he's speaking, family. He's speaking. God is always speaking. It's us. Are we listening? And when we're listening, will we walk in obedience when we hear? But now what happens? Because this happens a lot. All right, I'm praying, but nothing's happening. I'm praying, but I'm not, I'm not hearing his voice. He's not answering my prayers. And so all of a sudden we have the, why God? Why me? They, they, they make it sound so simple. He preaches and he talks and it, and it sounds good. But, but it's not practical. It's not being applied. Everything seems to be great in their lives. But why is this falling apart for me, Lord? And I don't know about you, but I know I've prayed that. I've had that in my life. I've felt that. And so God put on my heart, why ask why? And so I titled this particular sermon, Complicated Communications Part 3, Why Ask Why? Lord, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would um, fill my mouth with the particular words that this congregation needs to hear. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would soften the heart of man, that we would be able to receive your word. Let it have its way. Transform us, I pray, oh God, from the inside out. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In my relationship with my wife, it took a long time. Well, I mean, women mature faster than men, so I had to catch up a little bit. Um, and since she's a little older than I am, you know, it's like she matured that much faster than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was I was like behind the curb a little bit <laughs> but but in 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 really communicating clearly one of the things that helped me out was when I stopped being so selfish and I began to understand and realize what mattered to her what what what's important to her so, you know, when you know someone's pet peeves, when you know what's important to them, what's not important to them, what really matters, all of a sudden you can curb your speech, your behavior patterns around a certain individual. And we're called, what, to be living sacrifices. In our relationships, we're, we're called to, what, give preference, give honor to the other vessel, so I got to put her needs before my own and hopefully at some point in time she's going to put my needs before her own and synergetically we're going to begin to move together. One spirit, one mind, one accord, casting vision. Where are we going? And when we begin to communicate with each other, now our kids, they know they can't come to me and come against her because I know exactly what she's already going to say. She knows what I would turn around and say. So our kids can't play us against each other. That's big. That's big. I'll let that settle in for you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm here to tell you that relationship matters to God. There are things that matter to God. And if we don't understand that, if we don't understand how he moves, what are his pet peeves, what are the things that, that make him tick, if, if we're not in relationship with him at that level, then we're missing the mark. Then we're missing the mark. I'm here to tell you that my, my first point this morning is that your relationship, your relationships matter to God. Mark 11.24, I'm going to be going through a lot of scriptures this morning, but Mark 11.24 to 25, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, you hear that? Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Forgiveness. When we come before God and we're making our petitions known to him, He's letting you know that he's making his petition known to you. You want, you want me to move in your life? I want you to move in the life of others. Are you holding resentment? Are you holding ought against another individual? Forgive them. Yeah, but you don't understand what it... Look at what they did to my son. When it comes to forgiveness, the thing that we need to turn around and look back at is the cross at Calvary. Jesus, there was, Jesus did nothing wrong. There was, there was no sin in him. And yet he was led, what, like a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't defend himself. 
He knew the purpose for which he came. And while they were there, the religious leaders, the communities, the people that he healed, the people that he taught, people that witnessed him to walk on water, people that witnessed him healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, all of these people, all of the good things that Jesus did. And yet their response to him was crucify him. Beat him down. Whipped him 39 times with a cat of nine tails. He carried out two death sentences. They, they pulled and plucked at his beard. They spit in his face. They put crowns of thorns upon his head. This guy, Jesus. Think about what he endured. And that from the cross, he would cry out to his father, forgive them. For they know what they do. They don't know. God is calling us because of ignorance by people suffer. People can't give you what they don't have. So, so stop looking towards people as a source, as substance, and begin to look at God. God is my source. God is my substance. The fact of the matter is, most people suck. <gasps> is that recorded? Can I keep it real? If we are looking upon ourselves... To be the example, we're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking at me as your pastor, you're looking at the wrong place. I'm the first one to tell you I'm broken. I've got things. i got stuff. I'm just leading you as I lead myself to the foot of the cross. The answer is on Calvary. It's not here. God, I wish I could get the people to really understand that. A condition of prevailing prayer, prayer that's going to move the heavens, is having a forgiving spirit, not holding any ought against an individual. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says it like this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers so that nothing will hinder your prayers so what do we have to do we have to be considerate we have to be considerate as you as we live with our wives now does that mean that gives wives a free pass no 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 but guess what god has called the man to be the head of the household why i don't know that's the way he did it right and so man is physically stronger. Urgh, we're getting there, right? You see it? Man, man is the physical vessel. He's, he's, he's there. He's the Mr. Fix-It guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? What's the problem? What's the problem? I don't care about the emotions. I just want to fix it. Give me my screwdriver. Men, men are created that way. We're the protectors. We're the providers. We work off the sweat of our brow to be able to bring home the bacon. I'm not saying that women don't work now and, and have to also provide in order for us to be able to survive. But as, as the man, he created the man first and he created him to be the head. But as the head, what, is, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live in consideration to what? To our wives. As the weaker vessel. Not that they're weaker. Women are much stronger. I certainly don't want to endure labor. Can, can I get an amen, fellas? 
I just don't want to endure the labor. Like women, I'm not saying women are, women are emotionally, I believe, like they're stronger in, in, in many ways. You know, in, in fact, if you look at it this way, whew, ladies, I'm going to reveal something now that, you know, this is one of those things that God put in my heart as I, as I study scriptures and I see that God is a God of order. He is a God of precept upon precept. He, he lays things out and in creation, he, he, he breathed and said and saw that it was good. And then from that, then he created the earth and saw that that was good. And then from the earth and he separated the land from the sea and the sea from the land. And he saw that that was good. And then he filled it with the animals and every creepy and crawly thing. And then he saw that was good. And he built one thing was good. And then he built upon itself and saw that it was good and saw that it was good and there was a progression right of goodness this thing of this progression of creation and so then he created man he created him in his image and in his likeness and he breathed life upon him and he saw that that was good but he saw that then man was alone and he saw that that was not good and so then he caused man to sleep and in progression of creation the woman the woman came after so, 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 um, I just, you know, there's, there's a special place that we need to give to the women, to the moms, to the wives in, in regards to how God created us and, and you by yourself, you're only half of that creation of his image and in his likeness, because then the two have to what? Leave their homes and the two become what? One flesh. And it's only until the two can become one that then we're truly reflecting the image and the likeness of God. Hold that one down. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Give them the preference. Give them the preference as the weaker partner. They're not talking about weak in emotions. He's He's talking about being physically weaker, the physically weaker vessel. But, and, and, and we have to recognize that what? They're heirs. They're joint heirs. So the very rights that I'm being given by God, she's being given by God. There's no preference here. God is no respecters of person. He is not the son of man that he should lie. And they're heirs with us for gracious gift of life. And, and it's when we're operating, it's when we're functioning at this level, at this capacity, that then nothing's going to hinder our prayers. Amen? So if our relationships matter, point number two, what else matters? This one's big. Your motives matter. Your motives matter. James 4.3 states, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask amiss. God isn't interested in the elaborate, eloquent prayers that you can raise up and in the multitude of your verbal soliloquies that you can turn around and make something. God's looking into your heart. Notice how Hannah was praying. She was praying from her, oh, her lips were moving, but there were no words coming out of her mouth. God's not interested in words coming out of your mouth. God is interested in a heart that's truly surrendered and saying, God, I need you. When we pray for selfish reasons, 
God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. God, why isn't this moving? God, I need my husband. God, I want my wife. God, I need, I need, I need. You know what the prayer comes? God, what would you have of me? Where's my motive? God's interested in your motive. Not, not on the superficial, not on the exterior. He's listening to your heart before you even speak. Huh? It says that the word of God, the word of God, the Bible, is the discerner of the intents and the thoughts of the heart. So when we read the Bible, we have to allow the Bible to read us. So that I can check myself and say, Lord, I know I'm twisted. I'm feeling this way and I know I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I'm bringing this before you, God, because I don't really know how to handle this. Change me. Change me. Grow me through out of this situation. Your motive, the reason why you're petitioning God matters. Unless you've died to self and are living to him, your prayers is almost like what? Hitting concrete walls, hitting the symbols of the ceiling. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent, seem right to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All my ways can, can seem right to me. I can justify. I can rationalize. If I'm moving a certain way, I can, I can, I can, I can give a reason why. But the motive of the soul... God already knows. So I can, I can move that way. I can, I can fool a lot of people. But the only person that I can't fool is God, who already has weighed my soul. Point number three, relationships matter. Motives matter. The way you live your life matters. The way you live your life matters to God. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. How great is it when we can come before God with a clean and clear conscience? Knowing that Jesus paid the price on the cross, knowing that we're putting our best foot forward, in serving the Lord. When we can come to God and, and know that the sins has been eradicated, that we're putting our best effort to live a Christian life, to fall under submission to him, then all of a sudden my prayers, what? Because I'm a righteous man. There's got to be that transformation, that, that transition from being in the sinful nature and chasing the things, those empty calories of the world, you know, drugs, alcohol, dancing, women, the, you know, all, all of the things that the world wants to pull you away from. And, and all of a sudden... The transformation changes. The things that I used to enjoy doing, I no longer enjoy doing. I find it foolish. I, I see it for what it is. It's leading me down to empty paths of, of, of isolation, of, of, of being alone, of, of self-destructing, of, 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 of anger and emotional instability. I'm, I, you know, but, but, but what? Your, your, your life is so, it's you. It's what you're making of it. It's, it's, it's that emptiness and, and mm. 
But when you transition from that and you surrender, God, not my will, but. So when we go from, 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 from the struggle to the surrender, now in surrender, we become righteous before him. The blood of Jesus covers every sin as far as the east is from the west. He's given, he gives us a new slate. No matter how deep, no matter how lost, no matter how dark, God will give you a new slate. And it says that when, when you are righteous before him, your prayer becomes powerful and it becomes effective. Proverbs fifteen twenty nine says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. I always kind of like, I, I, I use this illustration, especially like, you know, because of my kids. I mean, we have kids and some of us who don't have kids, we've been kids, right? And, and, and so I don't know, in, in my house growing up, it, it was true and it's true in my house now. But uh, if, if mom, dad, can, 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 I, can I open the refrigerator? I mean, you cannot, you open it. Yeah, you hungry? You want something? You want me to make you something? There is no privilege, there is no luxury underneath the roof of this house that you're not entitled to. You're my son, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You're my kid. But there are certain rules of this house. You abide by the rules of the house, you're entitled to every privilege and, and, and luxury. But the moment you begin to Break the rules of this house. The moment that you turn around and what? You're, not, you're breaking curfew. You're not doing your homework. You didn't take out the garbage. You're not, you want an Xbox? No, that gets taken away. You want to go to someone's birthday party? Nope, that gets taken away. You got to go clean your room. You, got, you break those laws of the house, then all of a sudden privileges begin to be removed. Now, now, if, if our parents discipline us that way, and if we discipline our children that way, why don't we think that it's going to be different between us and God? Are we not his children? Every privilege, every luxury under the kingdom of heaven as joint heirs with Christ, you're entitled to. You've got power of attorney. You can pray effectively and fervently and know that I'm going to move on your behalf as long as you're abiding under my rules. You conduct yourself as, as, as a prince, as a child of a king. I'm asking you to move as my ambassador. You are effectively implementing my kingdom into a broken world. I've called you to this work. But if you want to know that my hand is with you, or you want to know that you can speak with confidence, with authority... The way you live in your life matters to me. Amen? And the way we live our lives matter. Our relationships matter. Our motives matter. Guess what else matters? Our faith. Your faith matters to God. James 1, 6 through 7. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man. Belief and doubt. Can they go together? Oil and vinegar. Do they mix? 
No. Our faith, our faith needs to be at a point in a growth process that we come to a place that we're not hoping. We know. When I pray, because of the fact that I know what God's will is, I'm able to pray with a certain level of authority because I know his heart. I know this is what he wants. He wants deliverance. He doesn't want any to perish, not one. So if I know this as I pray over an individual, I'm praying it with foreknowledge of his heart and of his will. And if I'm aligning his will through his word, impacting it through my prayers, every prayer that I say and bring up to God is yea and amen. Yea and amen. He grants us the petitions of our heart as long as our heart is in alignment with his will. Our faith matters. We must ask in faith, not in doubt, not double-minded. Matthew 9, 29 through 30. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. I'm here to tell you that God is able. I'm here to tell you that God is able. Look at your neighbor and tell him God is able. Whatever the struggle is, whatever the fight is, what, what, whatever the ailment, whatever the mountaintop, whatever that valley is, I'm here to tell you God is able. I am, for those of you who know me and know my testimony, I am a walking miracle before God. There's no reason why I should even be standing in this room right now. But God. But God. I think about what he did. And yesterday, um, some of you know, I, I, I ran a 5K yesterday for the Peekskill Police Department. And, and thank you, thank you. <laughs> I had no business being out there, though. So I'm just telling you right now, I'm hurting. <laughs> but to think that, you know, I would, I would be, um, I'd be one of the senior chaplains to the Peekskill Police Department and have an opportunity to pray before them and over them, um, have this awesome day outside, you know, sitting, or, sitting next to the chief of police, the mayor of the city, and, and having a platform, I'm thinking, me, me, <laughs> from where I've been, what God pulled me out of, who I was, that he would use me and give me a platform, with my record, God, church, God is able. The fifth point, God's will matters. His will matters. First John 5, 14 through 15 this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Come on, this is a key verse right here. What's our confidence when we approach God? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. God, is this your will? 
Is it your will that this person is delivered from drugs and alcohol? God, is this your will? I know it's your will. I'm going to pray that right now in the fervency of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to wait and I'm going to push. And I'm going to continue to pray until something happens. I'm going to continue to believe that there's something going to transform and change. We push in our prayers and we wait upon the Lord. I could tell you that there have been prayers that I've prayed and I know that this was the will of God and I'm asking God, why is it taking so long? He said, whose timing is it, yours or mine? You know, we get caught up in this whole thing because everything that we're taught of is about time. Everything's on the clock, right? The clock is so important. Meet, running from one meeting to the next meeting, from one class to the next class that you got to go, and from one job to the next job, and everything's about the clock. When you're going to clock in, when you clock out, it's the clock. We're always racing against the clock. Oh, my God, I got to get dinner ready, and it's already 6.30. We're, by the time we're going to finish eating, it's going to be about 8.30. I got to put the kids to sleep. We're all about the clock. And God says... <laughs> Stop thinking the way the world thinks. I'm eternal, and I created you to be eternal. That clock is a worldly clock. If you put things in my hands, I beat the clock. There are things that I can do in my timing that it'll take you years to do. But one word, one word. Here's another thing, and I hope this helps you. I was praying for an individual years, years, years ago. And, and I'm thinking, and you know, I was in that struggle. I'm in this place, right? Where I'm saying, God, I know that this is your will. It's, uh, it's according to your word. I'm reading your word and I know what your heart is and I know that this is in your will. And now I'm praying this and I'm asking, and if you gave me the power, if you gave me the authority to speak those things that are not as if though they are, if you gave me the power, Lord God, everything that you have bound in heaven that I can bind here on earth. And so I bind every demonic force. I bind every spirit of drug addiction. I bind every spirit of depression. I, I come against every demonic force in the name of Jesus and I release God the things that you have loosed in heaven I loose here on earth and so I loose your angelic host to come and bring forth this protection I loose oh father God over this situation why Lord is this taking so long why do I not see it happening just like that in the spirit man he almost took me on a vision where I kind of floated and I looked up I was looking down from up. And as I was looking down, it was almost like I was looking at my hand. And, you know, you see all these lines, right, intersecting. And one of these lines is supposedly like your lifeline. And I realized that. And then I saw other lines coming through. And God showed me their lines of other people. That's their lives. And although I was asking for God something here, I was declaring it and I asked it here. But he said, I'm not, it's already released. It's already been granted. But you're not going to see its manifestation until you're here. And that's because God's blessing upon our lives aren't always just for us. And so in his sovereignty, he waits. Yes, it's already been released. Yes, it is his will. It's already been granted. It's been loosed. But he in his sovereignty waits before its manifestation because when he manifests it in our life, it's right at the exact point in time when our life is intersecting with somebody else's life. And when that blessing comes, it's not just for one person, but it's for multiple individuals. 
because he knows the point of intersections. So we need to have patience and faith and confidence and knowing that the things that we ask, if they're in petition to his will, that he will grant it to us. It's already been granted. We have to walk with that faith and assurance and saying, Lord, I'm waiting now to see the day of manifestation. I know that I've brought my prayers before you. I've left them to you. And I know that you've heard them. And I know that they're in alignment with your will. And I check the word. And I know your heart because I'm in relationship with you. And just as I've asked this and petitioned it to you, God, I'm praying in alignment with your will, God. And I'm just pushing that forward. That's my, that's my job. I'm, I'm pushing, God, your desire forward and waiting and watching and I got to tell you, family, that every single time I have seen God's manifested presence, the things that I thought would be impossible, the individuals that I knew were so hardened and so against God and, and see God move in their lives. And, and now they're preachers and, 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 and uh, uh, ministry leaders uh, holding their own studies and holding their own positions of ministry. Luke 22, 42 to 43. Father. God, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. This was Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, Jesus is praying, God, if this, if this could pass by me, I'm asking you, Lord, let this pass by me. But yet, at the end of the day, not my will, but your will be done. And so church, the challenge to us this day is, are we willing to give God that room? Are we willing to take one for the team? If God is saying that it's based out of your suffering, your suffering, in order to bring about the manifestation of his fullness and his glory, are you willing to lay yourself down as a living sacrifice unto God? Are you willing, church? Not my will. Your will be done. Even at the cost of my reputation. Even at the cost of my position in my job. Even at the cost of, of my credibility in front of the people. Even at the cost, oh Father God, of my pride. Even at the cost, oh God. Not my will. Your will be done. His will matters. But what matters the most? What matters the most? Here's the point. You must have an honest relationship with God through Christ. John 9.31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Family, God doesn't listen to sinners if your heart is far from God, if you're still trapped into doing what you want to do for yourself, if, if you're still at the center of your life and sitting at the throne of your own heart, you're not in the right place. Your selfish motives and ambitions, God will not listen to. Are you praying and you finding that it's empty? Are you praying and asking God to move and he's not moving? I'm going to tell you that we need to pray the way David prayed. God, search me. 
Search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Reveal that God that I could be changed and transformed first. That then I can come to you in righteousness, in holiness, knowing that what I'm going to ask of you, you're going to do. God cannot listen and does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, church? 